Welcome to the Rappaport Diamond Podcast, and now your host, Avi Kravitz. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Rappaport Diamond Podcast. I'm Avi Kravitz. On this episode, we have with us Sam Carmiel, the owner of Ice Rock Diamonds. As an early adopter of using social media, particularly Instagram, to sell diamonds and beautiful jewelry, Sam has built a unique business model and has a strong following on the platform. We discuss his strategy to capitalize on the Instagram train, changes in that space to short-form video, and his pivot to the high end, among other topics. Please enjoy my conversation with Sam Carmiel. Hi, Sam. Welcome back to the podcast. This isn't your first roadshow, as they say. The last time you were with us, I think it was around the pandemic, and things certainly have changed, but it's great to see you again. Great to chat with you again. Thanks for joining us. The same here. Thank you very much for inviting me again. It's a bit of a different format this time. It's a chance for us to get to know you one-on-one. The last discussion was part of sort of a panel. We explored sort of technology and the, the different trends going on in the digital space in terms of marketing. And that's really your area. But it's a good opportunity to get to know you a bit. Um, and I thought it would be a good place to start um, because maybe not all of our listeners would be familiar with you. But do you want to give us a bit of background about your position in the industry and how you can came into the industry and your beginning story. I was born and raised in Israel on a small farm, I would say. For whoever is familiar, it's not a kibbutz, it's called a moshav. So I was born and raised there, did everything that every Israeli is doing, which is, and every person in the world, you know, going to school, helping my parents in the farm, milking cows, etc. And then I drafted to the IDF in Israel. And after four years in the military, I decided to travel to the States, sort of like just uh, on a whim. And I end up in Los Angeles, just there for two weeks, enjoying myself. And before I knew it, someone asked me if I want to work in diamonds. And it's sort of like, Avi, I don't know your background that well, but it's sort of like someone will ask you to join Tesla right now or anything that is you're very much not familiar with. It was between shocked to a feeling of, what are you talking about? Like, and granted, I knew what diamonds are, but what is the connection between me and diamonds? You know, I'm pretty good at milking cows and uh, working in the field. But before time went by, I said, you know what, I'll try that. And I stayed in Los Angeles just for a little bit more than I expected to be on my trip. And from there, I moved to New York and I worked an extra few months in the trade. And I was pretty amazed by how the industry as a whole is built. It was something I wasn't familiar with. And on top of that, you know, living in Manhattan, working on 47th Street, it seems like, you know, everyone knows what to do and they know their position in the beehive. And I try to find myself over there. And after a few months, I said, you know what, I actually like it. I like the product. I love the buy and sell. I love the negotiation. I love everything about that, which are things that I had in me since I was a kid where we're buying and selling stuff. So the business side of it I had within me, but this product called Diamonds was something that I was very not familiar with. And as every good story in Hollywood, one thing led to another. And now we're talking 21 years after I joined the, the trade, which still, believe it or not, shocked me to know that I'm 21 years in the diamond trade. I can relate to that for sure. I'm a little behind you, but I'm getting there. It sounds like you started off as a dealer working for a company um, dealing in stones. And obviously your journey morphed into being independent, taking a bit of a different path in terms of setting up your own business and really being an early adopter of social media and using Instagram in particular to sell your goods. 
tell us a bit about your recognition of Instagram as an opportunity and your sort of shift to from working as a dealer, being independent and setting up your own company. Sure. So yeah, it's, um, you know, going back for a second, I was just a few months in New York and then I moved to Los Angeles. And as you said, started to work for a few big companies, I would say some of the biggest companies in the world as their sales rep and uh, traveling the world, you know, all over from all the states in the United States to Hong Kong and China. And I love those life and that lifestyle. But before I knew it, before I even turned 30, I think I was 28 years old. I said to myself, you know what? I think I can do it by my own. So I just formed the company that we know today, Ice Rock Diamonds. And I've done what, you know, most people at the time did, which is, you know, being a diamond dealer, bought goods all over the world, sold goods all over the world. And I had a great time. But then 2008 came and the big crash from real estate to the diamond business to everything in between to the stock market just crashed. And I find myself sort of like sitting at home, not really knowing what to do. Fast forward a few years later, I was just on a trip in Costa Rica with some friends. And I remember I took a picture of one of my friends sitting on a hammock and he said, oh, that's a nice picture. Put it on Instagram. And I said, Instagram, what are you talking about? And he's like, what am I talking about? You're the tech guy among the group of friends. You never heard about Instagram. And let me remind you that back then, I think Instagram was around for maybe six, seven months. So it was a new app. And I remember he showed me how to use it. There were maybe three buttons over there. You know, it wasn't as developed as is at the moment. And I remember with all those filters, I looked at him and I said, don't get it. Who is going to sit at home and just flip between, you know, all kind of pictures, like didn't sound like that amazing. And I said to him, I don't know, this app is going to be a flop. Two years later, if I had a hat, I should probably eat that hat on the spot because Instagram was bought by Facebook for a billion dollars. And I was kind of shocked. I didn't know that Instagram is going to be my tool up to a few years later. And I love how in the past few years, people tell me and give me those, I would say compliments and saying, oh, this is amazing. You've foreseen the future. So with all the respect to myself, I haven't seen the future. I just used it just because I love photography and I love to take pictures of items and I love photography since I was a kid. And I remember after buying a few big diamonds at the time, I said to myself, you know what? I'm just going to take a few pictures and video of those. And I think back then Instagram was only pictures. And I said to myself, you know what? I'm just going to upload that on Instagram. I think I had maybe 20 people following me. And before I knew it, I had a few hundreds of followers. And I thought to myself, what is going on? Why people are so excited about what I'm uploading? It's just pictures of diamonds. You know, it's like every one of us in the world think that his industry is so boring, right? But for other people, it's super interesting because it's not what they do on a daily basis. And the key point was when, and this is way before DMs and people can, you know, text you or get more information. There was a guy actually from Los Angeles that commented on one of my pictures and said, Oh, it's a beautiful oval stone. I'm actually looking for an oval ring to propose to my girlfriend. And I commented back on the actual post and I said, here is my phone number. And he called me a few minutes later and he said, you know, I also live in Los Angeles. Can I come to your office? I said, sure. Uh, one thing led to another and he came to my office, looked at a few stones, picked one, left a deposit and said, I'll come back in a month to pick up the ring. And when he left my office, I remember I sat with myself and I thought, Oh my goodness, this is 
going to be the next big thing. And then I started to put a lot of energy and time into photography, which I did by myself. Today, I'm doing it by myself, most of it. And I'm using another photographer to help me with that. And before I knew it, you know, it's been eight years of magic, I would call it, of 90% of my business is drawn from Instagram. From Instagram. It's amazing. I mean, so many um, points stick out for me in, the, in that little story. Firstly, nothing comes by chance. And your, your sort of thinking back to 2008 even, you know, that, that was a period in hindsight with, you know, hindsight 2020, where everything was sort of brewing to, to set up what we have today. You know, the financial crisis was one thing, but there was also the beginning of social media. And it's, it's crazy to think of that not that long ago that, you know, Twitter, Facebook, um, Twitter, I think started in 2007. And so it's been a very quick journey. Firstly, I think you can give yourself a little bit of credit. And it's not that you foresaw the future, but it's that you embrace the present. You know, what the technology that was happening at the time. Instagram was happening and you explored it and then saw the opportunity in it and grew your following. It seems, you know, looking at your and engaging with your Instagram account, it's very much sort of centered around, there seems to be a balance between the goods that you have in your inventory and the personality that you are, you know, showing your face and sort of building that sense of community around your reputation and showing and showing that, you know, that personal side of you through your presentation on Instagram. Yeah, you know, in the beginning, I remember that I was very shy about putting pictures of me or videos of me. It was pure, here is my product, here is what I see on a daily basis. I'm going to have you look a little bit through, you know, through a window to see what I do on, you know, on a daily basis. From going to shows to going to auction houses like Sotheby's and Christie's to be invited to private events of all kind of collectors. And throughout Instagram and throughout their relationship that I had before that and during the time I used Instagram, I find myself in very interesting places that without Instagram, I wouldn't be able to be. I would just be, I would say, another regular dealer in Los Angeles or in New York on 47th Street, which is, there is nothing wrong with that. It just didn't fit what I wanted to do. And I found myself at a point where I started to use this tool and I found it very fascinating to show a glance into the diamond industry. But I never wanted to show a little bit of who I am, what I do, my personality. I thought it's kind of going to be boring. Why would someone care about who I am as a person, how I look like and my thoughts and my feelings? And then I remember it was probably five years ago after a few years that I used Instagram that I said to myself, how would... Jennifer, Christina, or Eileen that sits in mid-America, sit at night browsing on Instagram, following me and a bunch of other jewelers, and thinking to herself, oh, I'm going to pick up the phone or DM the guy or text him or email him and say, hey, I'm looking for a five-carat round DVS one for $250,000. How can I get this you know, familiarity between me and her that she's going to trust me? Because I felt like in those days, I needed to step up my game in the sense of not just wait for one person that's going to be in Los Angeles and going to say, hey, can I come to your office? I'm going to sell any stone, big and expensive stone, to people that never met me. So how do you get them to trust you and know you better? You have to have them going into your personal life, not in the sense of what I eat in the morning, but in the sense of how do I look like? What do I feel about this or that? My opinions. And some of them will love that. And we're going to continue avidly to follow me. And some, you know, no one is super lovable or super hated. 
you know, it's always like the in-between. And I said, whatever going to happen, going to happen. And I remember I was so scared of putting my face on Instagram that at midnight that day, I put a picture of myself and the caption underneath that was, by the way, that's me. And I posted that and I was so scared of the reaction that I turned off my phone and I went to sleep. And then when I woke up in the morning, seven o'clock in the morning and grabbed my phone, I opened Instagram and I said, okay, be prepared to be very disappointed from all the reaction. And I was actually very well surprised. People are like, oh my God, this is you. I didn't know how you look like. So happy to see you. And within time, I felt more and more comfortable to put my face and then stories came up and put my face and videos and stories and get that familiarity with each other to the point where clients all over the world can just feel very much related. I think people, when there's a face with the stone, I think it certainly breeds confidence from the buyer's point of view that they can see who they're buying from, especially if you're a, a more established business that's built up a certain reputation or sense of trust amongst its clients. But then at the same time, you know, with your growth on Instagram, it sounds like you also shifted from sort of being a dealer to dealer business model to dealing direct with the end consumer. The main reason I feel like I love as you can see and here, <laughs> I love to talk and I love to meet new people. And I've been always like that way before I even came to the States. I was always, you know, the guy that wants a hundred people around him, want to be the talker, the speaker in any event. And I said to myself, I want to do, I was back then, I think I was in my early thirties. And I said, I want to do this. I don't want to do the diamond dealing. I have nothing against diamond dealing. I'm still doing it here and there. You know, I'm still a businessman. I'm seeing a stone in a certain price. I know I can flip it for a few points to another dealer and do a B2B. I have nothing against that. You know, money is money at the end of the day. But what I enjoyed and what I look forward every morning when I wake up is to meet new clients, to deal with my current clients and Look, at the end of the day, we're dealing with the greatest industry there is because it's always about love. It's always about happy moments from birthdays to engagements to weddings to everything in between. Right. What I'm interested in is how the consumer space is changing because the consumer is, is coming to personalities like yourself rather than going to the jeweler on Main Street, or, or it's just another option and they're finding you. And the other aspect is that it seems that you're focused more on the higher end. The stones that you're displaying are very beautiful and, you know, they're not on the lower end of the, of the scale. Let's put it that way. I wanted to say expensive, but expensive is relative. It's relative. Correct. You know what? I'll start by telling you, I'll start from the end. And the end is a conversation actually that I had two weeks ago, right when the year ended with, I would say in my opinion, you know, the biggest house, the biggest diamond dealer in the world. And me and him are very, very tight. And we had a conversation and I said, how was 2022 for you? And he said, it was actually a very good year. Although people thought that toward the end of the year, it's going to be a little bit slow because of what we feel in the news, but it ended up being a great year. And I said, oh, I'm, I'm so happy to hear that. And I know his business for 21 years since I started. They're working with the top 20 stores in the United States. And those are stores that are selling, you know, 50 to $100 million a year. And my question to him was, wow, I didn't know that, you know, you had such a strong December. Stores did that well? And he started laughing. And I said, why are you laughing? And he said, stores. And I said, yes. 
is like stores are not a key product for us anymore. People like you, and I have like, you know, a, a list of 30 people that are private jewelers on Instagram. You guys sold more for us than the top 20 stores in the United States sold in 2022. And I was quite shocked, you know, because I know the power that those stores, and I know them very well. I used to sell them when I used to be a diamond dealer on the roads. But that shows you that at the end of the day, there is a reason that stores don't like people like myself. We took a big part of their business. And I can tell you that, look, stores are not something that people are not coming into. You know, my clients, there are still here and they're buying from the store in their neighborhood or in their town that they have a relationship from 10 years to all the way to like a third generation. But they want, you know, the information is out there. They want to reach out to people like me and see if they can get that 10 carat oval in a better price. They want to see if they can get you know, a bunch of 10 characters in ovals. When they come into the store, for the store to get 10 stones ovals of 10 carat grades, it's involved with a lot of insurance, a lot of money of shipping, and it's not that easy for them to get that. Me, as a guy that, you know, have access to, I don't want to exaggerate and I say every stone in the world, but probably 95% of the stones in the world, because I'm very well connected to all the manufacturers and all the people that control the business. I can get 10 stones like that pretty easily and just, you know, not even meeting the client, just over Instagram or over a text or an email, send a bunch of videos and pictures and then move to the next step of, you know, eliminating a few stones and choosing the right stone just by that. So did we take a lot of business from the stores? The answer is yes, but it's part of the product of evolving. You know, it's like from what happened, you know, from radio to TV and TV to the internet, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I, w I would agree with the point that you made that it's um, it's not the end of stores. The brick and mortar, I think, still plays a, a very important role. And particularly after the pandemic, people wanted to go out. There's retail therapy at the end of the day, and, and that's a big part of our culture. And then the other side of the equation is that, you know, whereas before it was about foot traffic, today it's really about where the eyeballs are. And people are so in, engaged with their with their smartphone on social media. That's where they're spending most of their time. I think it's inevitable that there would be this trend towards uh, you know consumers seeing a product on online on Instagram and primarily I think and um, and seeking that out. And so I don't think it's by chance. But what I think is interesting is that you're still sort of standing out from the crowd in that sense, that it's not in the diamond industry that's still a very traditional. There's still that strong um, focus on the dealer market. And while more more businesses pivoted to digital, as, uh, as the cliche goes, that it's still kind of almost a unique business model that you're running. And I think that might be a bit surprising. I don't know how you feel. Yeah, I decided a long time ago. I don't want to say in the early days of Instagram, because back then I didn't really know what I wanted to do with private clientele. But I would say probably in the past five years, I decided that, you know, I need to stand out. And how can I stand out from every mom and pop that decided to join the club of Instagram and open a page over there or a website? How can I stand out and be, you know, unique in what I do? I felt like the connection that I have and the power that I have with bringing big and expensive stones, this is going to be what I'm going to aim for with Instagram. And that's going to be my niche. So I just started to post a bunch of big and expensive stones. And before I knew it, I started to get requests for stone that 
if you would ask me seven, eight, eight years ago, if I can sell on Instagram a stone for $200,000, half a million dollar, or over a million dollar, I would laugh. I would say, I don't have the power to do that. Not that I didn't believe in myself, but I didn't see that happening. In my mind, to sell a million dollar stone, you have to go to a brick and mortar store. It's a belief in the consumer that they have the confidence to buy without seeing and feeling and trying it on. Correct. And then I think that the first big and expensive stone that I sold on Instagram was probably two years after I started with Instagram. So about six, seven years ago. And it was a stone that I posted and I got a request for information because I tend not to share too much information about cost of stones and carrot weight for many reasons. We'll touch, you know, touch that later on if we'll have time. And the, the person, you know, a very nice lady said, can you give me information about that stone? And in my mind, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to tell her that it's an XYZ type of a stone, carrot weight. And I'm going to tell her it's a $375,000 stone. And probably she's going to say, oh, it's not in my budget. So I text that and I say it's a $375,000 stone. And she said, can I get more information about that? And I'm like, what is going on here? And before I knew it, the next day we spoke again on the phone, actually. She said, I want to talk to you and not just text with you on Instagram. And she said, you know, what kind of setting do you have in mind? And I see that it's a very serious conversation. And still, deep inside of me, I'm asking myself, is she really going to buy a $375,000 stone over Instagram? And she said, you know what? I've been searching for a beautiful stone like that for a while. Can you give me your wine information? And how does it work? And I said, 50% deposit. And then the rest once the ring is ready to be shipped. And she said, great, send me your wire information. I'm going to wire you the money tomorrow. And I woke up in the morning and I reach up to my phone. I open, you know, my bank application and I saw the money in. And that point, I said to myself, if I can sell a $375,000 stone over Instagram after a few DMs and one phone call with a client, I can sell a two, three, five million dollar stone on Instagram and the sky is the limit. So I decided to pivot to those kind of items. Not to say, because I get those kind of questions quite often of, hey, I don't know if you can work with me. It's just a long shot email or a DM. I have a small budget of $20,000. Is there any chance you can go out of your way and help me? And my answer is yes. I'm not only the guy that sells a $200, $300, a million dollar type of stones. I also sell $20,000 rings and pair of earrings and even $10,000, you know, but my claim to fame, I would say, is the more expensive and bigger stones. Right. Okay. So social media space continues to evolve and we've seen this sort of explosion of reels and short videos in the last year or so and Instagram itself sort of putting an emphasis on that. And so I'm wondering if you're using other platforms, are you using TikTok? Are you using those short form videos? Does it require different mindsets for your business? Yeah, I've been, you know, each one of us have a small sticky note next to their uh, keypad or computer uh, with a bunch of stuff that one day they're going to do, right? I'm sure, Avi, you have one uh, right now next to you of like, what to do next week, what I'm going to do next year. I really want to start a podcast about ABCD. I have a small piece of paper in my office from a few years ago that just said on it, TikTok, YouTube Shorts, Facebook Shorts, and all kind of other platform that I really want to get onto. Um but as everything that has been written or sticking out before, it's something that I never done. And I, every year I tell myself, okay, this year I'm going to start with that. Do I have a TikTok account? Yes. Do I have a YouTube account? Yes. And if you'll try to find me over there, you'll find a little bit of here and there videos that I've done before. 
it's just about time. I am so busy, thank God, with my clients and with Instagram that I just can't find the time to hop on TikTok in a serious matter or doing... I really wanted to do longer videos on YouTube just to show of, you know, more of the business that I'm in and more about 47th Street, more about the Israel diamond industry, more about the day-to-day life that I have with clients. I never jumped on this on this wagon just because of time, but we just started 2023. And I want to give myself and also you and the audience a quote-unquote promise that I'll try to be more active on other social media. It's on record, Sam. <laughs> it's on record. You're, very few people go public with their New Year's resolutions because they're easy to say, but <laughs> but difficult to fulfill. But um, I think it's a realistic goal. And there's so much out, you know, there's so many opportunities. And I think it's limitless as well when one sees so many content creators on all these platforms. One thinks that the market is saturated, but it's... Um, but I don't think it, it ever is. And maybe that's an indication of the addictive nature of TikTok in particular and the short form videos that we're all being exposed to. But it's uh, people's appetite is never satiated. And it's an interesting opportunity, I think, for the industry as a whole and one worth exploring. I'll, I'll keep an eye on your TikTok account. I just got on TikTok myself, frankly, and it's an interesting animal. Woohoo, I got another follower now. there we go yeah i hope it's reciprocal (laughs) so i i was going to end with the question about you know your expectations for 2023 and from a tech point of view but i think we've covered that in the last few minutes so maybe you can give us an indication of your expectations for the market and you know how you see 2023 playing out from a creative and from a from an economic point of view maybe as well i'll tell you this you know i always been an optimistic person since the day I remember myself. So I'm not, you know, the industry, our industry specifically for the people that are not familiar with is a very up and down type of an industry. If someone, you know, had a good month and he sold a few big stones, if you'll see him on the street, you'll ask him, how's the business? And they'll say, oh, it's amazing. It's amazing. It's going to be a fantastic year. And then if someone didn't sell that much, you know, just for a week or a few deals that were supposed to go through, didn't go through. You'll ask him, what's going on? He's like, oh my God, I don't know what's happening. The business is so slow. Maybe I'm going to do something else. Like every diamond dealer needs like a psychiatrist or a shrink next to them. I am a very optimistic person in my nature. And I'm trying to look on the bright side and not to fall into what the media is showing out there. The same like I've done, you know, with when COVID started three years ago now. I remember in the first week, everyone said, and I was also, you know, pandemic has started. This is going to take for a while. Who is going to buy jewelry, the most luxurious item to buy, you know, with excess money? And after two weeks, I said to myself, hold on, people are sitting at home, not spending money on the usual day-to-day life and not spending money on vacations and not spending money on other things. What are they going to buy? They're going to buy diamonds and jewelry. Husbands are going to buy that for their wives to make them happier. Women are going to buy jewelry for themselves, you know, to feel better, although they're home. And I was right about that. So I am taking this feeling of that time and I'm putting it for 2023. If you look at the media right now in the past few months, recession is coming. No one is going to spend the money on luxury. Stock market is down. All of those things are true, right? You know, I'm not a, I'm not an economist, but I do see those things actually happen. You know, I see, you know, my stocks went down, you know, big time in the end of 2022. But at the same time, I feel the same. People that have money 
and those are my clients, going to continue buying jewelry. It makes them happy. If they want to sell an item that they bought from me a while ago, they don't want to sell because they need the money. They want to sell because, you know, they want to sell the eight carat because they want to buy a new 12 carat. People always going to buy jewelry and diamonds. It makes them feel good. And unfortunately, there is the other side of it, of people that bought jewelry and they thought that they can continue with the same amount of money that they've done in different businesses they had. And right now need to go and sell that. So like in every business, there is two sides to it. And as I've done it after 2008 with the market crashed, I end up buying from the public cheaper than from the manufacturers. And then I end up selling them later on again to the public. So I am very optimistic. I see the news. I know what's going on out there. I'm not oblivious to the fact that the market should go a little bit down. And it went down a little bit in the past few months. Prices went down a little bit. But I don't see any kind of crazy crash. I don't see 2008 coming back again in that essence. And I think that we're going to continue and seeing people spending money on jewelry. I think I would agree with that. And it comes to mind, the old cliche, you know, never let a good crisis go to waste. And in every crisis, there's an opportunity. I think there definitely are opportunities in this environment. And I think the space that you are on, Instagram is where people can really be creative to stimulate growth and sales and engagement and build a community. And I think that's really what, from our viewpoint, what you've done, what others have also done, others in the, in the industry, and it's exciting to watch. And I'm certainly keeping a lookout to see more creativity from the Diamond community online and uh, on social media in particular. And Sam, thank you so much for your time and for joining us and your insights. I really enjoyed our discussion and gained a lot from it. Thank you for thank you for your for your contribution. Thank you guys very much. I uh, always happy to talk on this podcast, and if you need me for any other panel, I'm always here for that. That's awesome. We'll take you up on that offer. So thanks, Sam, and thank you everyone for listening again. We'll see you soon. Have a great few weeks ahead. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Rapport Diamond Podcast. For more discussions, news, and analysis about the diamond industry, visit us on rapport.com, follow Rapport Group on Instagram, and follow Rapport on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And don't forget to subscribe to get future episodes. <laughs>